and welcome to the J-Rod Concerts Podcast. Now, before we get started, I want to say thank you to all of you guys that have subscribed to the podcast and sent messages of how much you like it. I really appreciate it. You know, the podcast has taken a really nice rhythm and it is because of people like you. So thank you so much. Um, if you want to send a message, uh, if you have any suggestions or whatever, feel free to send me an email, jamie at J-Rod Concerts Podcast. Or shoot me an Instagram message at jrodconcerts.com. And lastly, while you're there, if you click subscribe, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, or whatever, and you click the five-star button, we would really appreciate it. So thank you, guys. Now, moving on to today's hilarious show, we have our first comedy guest. And she is one of Hollywood's brightest and up-and-coming comedy stars. Her name is Rachel O'Brien. Now, Rachel, a few months ago, right before the corona, started, wrapped a three-week European tour through Scotland, England, Germany, Czech Republic, and France. She's headlined the most prominent comedy clubs in the United States, including the Comedy Store, Hollywood Improv, Gotham, New York, Loft Boston, among many others. She's also shared the stage with comedy household guests uh, like Judd Apatow, David Spade, Whitney Cummings, and Ron White, just to name a few. She's done uh, two USO tours, which is when they perform for our troops. So she's a true patriot as well with her art. And she has her own podcast, which is super successful. It's one of the hottest on iTunes, and it's hilarious. It's called Be Here for a While. She uh, talks about all sorts of stuff on the podcast, whether it's just a frivolous gossip or really deep uh, talk with uh, scientific experts uh, or current events. She is really on top of it all. She's extremely talented, very, very funny, and we are so happy to have her. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rachel O'Brien. Hey. Hello. How are you, Rachel? How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me doing this. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's a pleasure. You're actually, I was thinking about it. You're the first comedian um, to come into the show. Oh, really? You know, it's mostly music, right? It's mostly music. You know, we have a bunch of singers, songwriters. We have, we, we had the tour manager for Madonna the other day, Jake Berry, but never a comedian. So sweet. I feel but, honored. Well, you know what? You have, you have all the, you check all the boxes of a rock star. I feel like. That's a you nice know? compliment you could ever give me because I truly wanted to be a rock star, but have no musical talent. So Exactly, exactly. And, you, and you live, you're living the hard life in West LA, like Guns N' Roses in the 80s, you know, the Viper Room, here comes Rachel, watch out. So I actually live right by there. <laughs> exactly. So there you go. So it fits in. Um, so thanks for your time, Rachel. Thank you. Of course. So first of all, um, how have the past two plus months been for you, Rachel? Actually, not that bad because I've found a way to keep myself entertained. I've started another creative project. So 
I think I'm just keeping myself distracted with that. So mm-hmm. just, I don't know, it hasn't been that bad. Besides the fact that there's a lot of like, you know, obviously concern for older family members. I don't want them to get it. And I'm really, you know, just sad for all the frontline workers and all these people that are at risk. So that, that whole energy of being worried and sad for people is definitely weighs on you. But I guess my own like personal, like mental health and productivity has been fine. Okay. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And um, you mentioned in your podcast, by the way, you have a great podcast. Be here for a while. Everyone should definitely check it out. You mentioned recently that you've developed through quarantine a passion for, for potato chips. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so what have you learned from this, you know, academic, academic study, dissertation? Why, of, why do I say these things out loud? And then <laughs> later, um, they're just, you know, they're just a really good comfort food. And uh, if you get the right sour cream dip, it can just be a very enjoyable thing to snack on while you're working, writing new jokes or this new sure. podcast I'm working on. Yeah. Sure. The, the right dip has to be like the right texture, not too strong. Or Oh, yeah. And I, it, I make it fresh. You oh. Pour the Lipton onion dip into the sour cream. Let it sit for a bit. It's a whole thing. It's a process, really. Pro level, pro level. That's awesome. Okay, so yeah, definitely want to talk about your podcast in a minute. Want to talk about, you know, your future projects and, and, and your whole thing. But wanted to start, you know, in your early life, if you will, a little bit. Okay. Um, so you were born in Oregon, right? Yes. Um, how was your childhood like? Were you like around comedians in your family? Was it an artistic family? What type of, how, how did you grow up in Oregon? Um, well, it, they, my parents aren't comedians, but they're, they're very funny. So I, I grew up around like a lot of humor and um, my childhood best friend uh, was or is also really funny. And we were just very goofy, weird kids who just like kind of immersed ourselves in like acting out Saturday Night Live sketches and uh, scenes from movies and like we were really like, we would take like book reports to like the next level. Like when people would just have like a poster, like we would set it, we would improvise an entire scene. Like we did one on Vietnam and I think we must've just seen Forrest Gump because we had like Forrest Gump accents and we like made a picnic oh in front of the class and like, <laughs> so stupid. Wow. That's we epic. Weird. And I was just not shy. And I think partially the growing up in a small town, there's not like a bunch of clicks. You know, we were all just kids. So it's not like there was the popular, you know, the cheerleaders, the jocks. It was just sort of like, we're all kids. So I didn't grow up with like a lot of insecurity or jealousy of other people or things like that. It was more just like, I get to be my weird self. And yeah, I just had no concept of that really. That's excellent. That's great. So you were were doing like second city skits when people were doing show and tell of like whatever. Yeah, pretty much. That's epic. Epic. Okay, cool. So um, you grow up, when did you start writing comedy? Like, I know you went to the University of Oregon, you stayed in, in, in Eugene, right? Yeah. Um, what did you do at, in University of Oregon? Were you into writing or what were you? Um, I, my first year at school there, all I wanted to do was move to California and just start pursuing the entertainment industry. But mm-hmm. my parents obviously were not just going to let me do that. I needed to graduate college and by transferring, it would have just probably prolonged the time. And I had a scholarship to University of Oregon. So I just like put my head down and decided I was going to graduate in three years. So I finished, I graduated when I was only 20. Um, or that's when I like got my diploma. But then I think I had to take like a month of summer classes and ended up being 21 when I was totally finished. But um, yeah, so I just decided like, to choose like one of the easiest degrees, which is uh, political science to get through. And I knew that because that's what all the athletes uh, were taking. So I was like, all right, <laughs> it's clearly there. Yeah. 
So yeah, so I just finished quickly and 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 then started my career in LA, or That's attempted my career. Yeah. Okay, so, but you went to UCLA, correct? Um, two a year or two after moving to LA, I went to UCLA. Gotcha. Okay, and what were those first couple of years like in LA? Um, just like auditioning, like trying to just be like, I auditioned for a lot of commercials. I also had like a print modeling agent, so I was going out for those castings and acting. Thing, going to acting classes but I really hated that first of all that was all based on I mean acting you have to have talent too but in the early stages when you have no credits it is sort of just based on looks and things and you know connections and I kind of just hated that it was you're basically just waiting for someone to give you a job or an opportunity uh, the opportunity to act and I was like this isn't very proactive and so that's when um I applied to the uh, professional graduate program at UCLA Screenwriting. And I also mm -hmm. thought that was a good way to like show my parents I wasn't just like waitressing and trying to be an actress. It was like, no, here's some a skill I can actually use. And then, so yeah, so I did that. And then that's when I started stand up as well. Because I realized too, with stand up, it's like, you know, so with acting, you can't just act. Like I can't just go out and act today, really. Um, <laughs> but with stand up, I mean, pre quarantine, uh, I could go to an open mic and work out jokes or I would have a show or, you know, and now at the point I'm on touring and stuff, but it just felt more proactive and it felt like a skill I could constantly hone. And I just absolutely loved it. That's awesome. And so you, so while you were at UCLA, you started doing your first couple gigs? Uh, was, I actually took a stand-up class. Okay. Uh, when I finished UCLA, UCLA was only a year program. So I took a stand-up class because I wanted to learn to write jokes properly, not just like waste three years on the open mic scene and be telling stupid jokes, which a lot of people do. Um, which, and, and a lot of them end up being great, becoming great comics, but I just didn't want to waste any time. And so I took a class, learned and, and how to write jokes properly and had, and I don't really use all that format anymore, but it was just a good base. And so by the time I was done with that class, I had a full like five minute set, maybe even eight minute set. And, um, we performed like a showcase at the end of the class, actually at the Hollywood Improv. But because we were just students, they made the teacher cover up the improv, the famous improv sign in the back because they're like, we're not going to let these kids pretend mm -hmm. like they're <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's how it started. And then, you know, eight years later or more, I don't know. Now I'm touring the world, actually. I've toured. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was I was gonna get to that, but like just really quickly, it seems like you were very strategic, very very smart about the way you, you went you went around it. Um, you know, because if, if you're a, if you're a comedian, you're supposed to you know eat some shit a little bit. You're supposed to go through certain rituals, if you will. Oh yeah, um, I mean, I definitely still have moments where I eat shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I guess I had somewhat of a plan, and. Yeah. I and I'm just very hardworking. Like I could, I was, I could have never been the person that was like, I'm just going to sleep on my friend's couch, smoke some pot and then go to a couple, you know, open mics at night. Like it was like, I needed to like have a regimented schedule of like, I'm going to write these jokes. I'm going to go do this at night. But I also, you know, had to have like somewhat of a day job because um, I needed to pay my bills. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. And obviously your career that takes off, um, you blossom into all sorts of gigs, all sorts of interesting stuff. You mentioned you're a touring artist, but before we get to the international part, I know you perform for the troops for the USL. Yeah. So um, 
you know, how is that experience like, uh, you know, as, as obviously for those of us that have not, like, how is the entertainment aspect with the troops? Where do you go? How, how is the whole thing? It's honestly was one of the best experiences of my entire life. Like I would do it in a heartbeat again. It is so rewarding because they're like the best audience because they're just excited that you're there. But it was also really cool to like, so after the show, we would get to like kind of do these meet and greets and we would hang out with all these soldiers and we would hear their stories. And I it just opened up my eyes to a lot of things and, and how they live. You, you, well, certain bases, like uh, most of the bases in Germany, um, those were like, they almost seem like they're like a little city, like they're like a little American city on there. There's almost like a Walmart and then like a hotel. So there was like a hotel that we would stay at there. But a lot of the other places, like the Shape NATO base in Belgium and um, the base in Kosovo, you're sleeping in the barracks that the soldiers sleep in. So in Kosovo, wow. we're literally in a, essentially like barracks or like little cabin things. So it was me and Jill Kimmel, uh, my friend who went with me. She's uh, Jimmy Kimmel's sister, actually. So we had to share this little barrack. And then at night when we had to go to the bathroom, we had to walk outside, like past all the soldiers. And like, I mean, it was you know, we ate where they ate. And so you really do experience it. And the other crazy part too, is it's, even though they're inviting us onto the base, like, so we, we were in a, in a tour bus basically. Uh, well, not in Kosovo once, cause it, that wasn't all concentrated together, but the rest of the tour, we were on a bus, but you, um, when you're getting onto the base and you're on this bus, the soldiers have to come on with like guns and like point them at your face and just make sure that you're like actually, you know, yeah not there to bomb the base or something <laughs> at one base in particular, you had to get off the bus and go behind a blast wall, like a big cement wall while they checked for like explosives underneath the bus. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting experience. And, you know, speaking of Europe, you've done, I think you recently came back from like a really almost a month tour. You did Germany, you did France, you did all sorts of interesting countries. How is it? Right now I would have just gotten back. Oh, yeah, I'm so I'm so sorry to hear that. Everyone's plans has just been derailed, you know. Yeah, um, yeah I've been talking to some artists that have re released their album cycle around this time, and they're, it, it sucks because you know they, they've they've recorded it for two three years. This was like the time where he was seeing the world, touring, and yeah. everything's gone kaput. But anyway, so they're just no. not releasing them, or is it because they need that tour to kind of get the hype. Yeah, yeah. I mean, touring is is uh, not only where they get fulfilled artistically now, like to connect yeah. with the with the audience, but it's where they make money too. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's mm -hmm. only where they make money. The comedian too. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your tour. I, I definitely feel it. Uh, okay. So, how was the reaction to your comedy, Rachel? I mean, some of these countries, you know, you have a. Uh, how do you, your jokes are fantastic, but some of them are really American. I love them personally, of course. It's a patriot. But uh, what about in France? You know, is, is it like the guy in the corner with a baguette with a beret being like a just American girl? Not well. Let me think. For the most part, no, because the people that came to the shows were coming to see me and my friend Natasha. Like they already knew who we were, so they already listened to our podcast or knew our comedy. So. It wasn't, and a lot of them were uh, expats in the, the, they were Americans in the country. So, oh, okay. Um, but some of them were like, there's a, there's a couple of these girls in um, Prague uh, who are from, you know, Prague and Czech Republic, but they're, I mean, they're girls I'd corresponded with on Instagram before. And like, they, so they already knew what to expect. It wasn't a lot of just randoms, but actually there were, it, 
in Prague, I feel like we did have some kind of random walk-ins because we were doing smaller shows. They were like a hundred person and under venues uh, or maybe 200 person and under. Um, Cause obviously we weren't thinking we could sell out a thousand person theater in a foreign country. We're not, we weren't there yet. Um, we're still not. Um, but yeah, we did have some walk-ins and I, cause I remember seeing people in the audience being like, that's not someone I remember corresponding with, or I can just tell that they're not my normal demographic of like young girl or whatever. And th- we got a great response in Prague. It was very like everything translated really well. I mean, that's great. That's great. And for anyone that wants to connect with your jokes on a friendly banter, of course, uh, your podcast, Be Here for a While, is out on iTunes, super popular. Um, you have some great content. We'll get to it in a second. Uh, wondering about your, your comedic influences. I know Jerry Stiller just passed. Um, oh, I, 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 I wonder if you have any memories of him, any favorite skits, if, if you looked up to him or... Yeah, I, mean, I don't know who he was when I was a kid. It was more like later, but... Um... He's just hilarious. He's like kind of the like the only person you pay attention to on screen when it when he's there. You know, it could be five people in a scene, but it's like that's all you gotta pay attention to. He was great. Um, I would say my other major influences. I was obsessed with David Spade and Chris Farley growing up, and Will Ferrell, like that era of SNL. Yeah, which is really crazy to me that now I've done a bunch of shows with David Spade, like at the Comedy Store and stuff. But uh, yeah, I just thought that they were such a funny duo, and that was just I just I just loved them so much. I still think David Spade is unbelievably hilarious. Like his new stuff and his show. Um, I would say them. Yeah, like Will Ferrell, Sherry O'Terry, they were great on. That's not, I mean, Will Ferrell, yes. well, Sherry O'Terry's still there. She's just not doing as much right now as him. But Will Ferrell, I, I, if you listen to him on a podcast, like when he guests on a podcast, he's just constantly hilarious and on that he's just one of the greats. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Will Ferrell constantly, I, I think the other day, um, I don't know if you saw it, he, he, he soon bombed a meeting of like the football players, Seattle Seahawks players. Oh, really? Oh my God, hysterical. So I guess you have the coach introducing the new players and then he's like, okay, we're going to introduce the new player of the team and all the, you see all the players are like, you know, in the little squares all bored and rolling their eyes and boom, he bumps move forward. Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> yes. You he does kind of things a lot. I guess there was a, t- a story of, um, he was at a Lakers game and he just got this idea that he wanted to pretend to be, um, like a ref, like a ref, I think it was a referee, or maybe this, what are the other people who would stand on? The, I don't know. Security, anyway, usher, yeah, something like that. Security, yeah. And so he got, and they have a very distinctive, like, you know, uniform they wear. So he got one of them to <laughs> give him a uniform, and he just put the uniform on, and then just didn't do anything, just acted like it was like his job. And eventually, people in the audience kind of were like, "Is that Will Ferrell doing security? Like, what's going on here?" He's just like so weird. Gotta check it out. Gotta check it out. That's awesome, Rachel. Okay, so l- l- let's move on to your podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. It really is a fascinating podcast. I've been uh, for the past couple of days researching. There's a lot of good stuff, and it's very interesting how it's evolved over time, right? Um, you know, of course, you've always kept your charisma and your personable uh, attitude, and and all this is, has always been a staple. But it has developed into something really profound and interesting. I mean, your latest episode deals with you know being alone, mental health. You include guests like Julie Bainbridge. You've dealt with everything from conspiracy theories to you know, you know, you had the Dirty John real person in there, like. Tell me about this podcast. Like, wow, what a, what a great, exp- I mean, your, the reception must be great. How did this idea came about? Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I'm pleased to hear that you are enjoying the like evolvement of it because, you know, when I first started podcasting, I just thought it was, I, I was just like, oh, you just kind of like talk with your friends, but like, I wasn't getting a lot of fulfillment out of that. 
And I didn't want to only be like labeled as like, yes, I'm still like some of the people on Vanderbilt Rules are still many of my best friends, but I didn't want it to be like, okay, all I'm going to talk about is reality TV and have them as guests. Cause it's like, that's not like, I love them, but I don't really care about it. And I don't really care about pop culture that much to be perfectly honest. So I don't like gossiping about things and people. So I kind of just started slowly introducing like more uh, research-based topics or more like, like the episode coming out this week is one of the founders of, have you heard of that podcast, Ear Hustle? It's filmed inside San, or recorded inside San Quentin Prison. I've not heard of it, no. So it's so good. So it's all about the uh, life in prison. Um, Antoine is now out, but I just interviewed um, Antoine um, Banks Williams, uh, who created that podcast and has just got out of prison maybe six months ago. Um, yeah, and so that's a whole like story of like, what you know, what was prison like? How did you get there? What's life like now? Like, just like, interesting stories from real people and yeah and and i've started covering some like yeah conspiracies or like true crime type of things but i don't want to bombard people with that like i don't want to just make my podcast now a true crime podcast so i've actually created a second podcast that's what i've been doing during quarantine um mm-hmm. that i'm going to be releasing in the next couple of weeks that is it's taken me a full two months to create seven episodes um yeah, so it's and yeah, it's called Seven Deadly Sinners, and it's about uh, major church and pastor scandals. So, like, oh, wow. so like Warren Jeffs, uh, the FLDS Mormon church leader who had like fifty child brides and stuff like that. It's about yeah, things like that. That's epic. Okay, so is this what you've been teasing for for a few episodes? Is this, are you breaking news right now? Yeah, actually, I haven't told anyone except for you. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, Great, Rachel. Okay, so that looks amazing. Seven Deadly Sinners. So it looks like you went in a really interesting, interesting direction. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, let's bring it up to theme. You've been really nice with your time. I wanted to talk to you about music. Um, you know, what uh, what music do you, what do, you, do you listen to? Do you have a... Big, that? big classic rock fan. Like, I've been... Ah. Every, anyone that's still alive and touring, I've pretty much seen them in concert. That's epic. That's epic. What was your first concert? Ever, uh, the Eagles. Eagles was your first concert. Okay, yeah. that explains it. See, that's what I'm saying. You just ooze rock stardom. Like I, I'm telling you, <laughs> it's like something about it. Like if your first concert was the Eagles. Like I cannot sing. I have a terrible voice. People but, are people are always like, oh, my grandpa took me to George Strait in Alabama. You know, it's people are always have like something. Okay, so Eagles, not bad, great. Um, do you have any pre-podcast maybe music rituals when before your recording? Sometime, I, you're gonna laugh at this, and I'm embarrassed by it. Uh, and this is sometimes before my shows too. Uh, I would do anything for love by Meatloaf. <laughs> oh wow! It's it. Part of that song just makes me laugh because it's like this song's so ridiculous, but I also just like it too. I don't know. Meatloaf is something else. I love him. <laughs> like bad out of hell, the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. That music video. Go back and watch that music video. It is. One of the funniest things I've ever seen. It's like a Beauty and the Beast sort of theme. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. Okay, okay. He's frolicking through the woods. It's it's weird. Okay, so am I sensing maybe like a meatloaf Halloween costume for Rachel O'Brien or meatloaf? I was meat- sure last year. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, I can turn back time video. Maybe I'll be meatloaf. Yeah. That's that, that's great, Rachel. Well. You know, you've been super generous with your time. Thank you so much. Uh, of course, I forgot to neglect that, you know, you're one of the stars of um, the Vanderpump Bander Rules on... Uh, on- I'm re- I, 
I'm really not. <laughs> I'm barely on it. You play the role of the comedian side friend who brings color to the show and brings it back to reality, according yeah. to my notes. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Good role. That's a good way to. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Good role, Rachel. And of course, your podcast. Um, be here for a while. Fantastic. If people want to subscribe and you're new, when is Seven Deadly Sinners coming out? That's great news. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks. It's like a full on production. Like my boyfriend who does the sound on my podcast and he's like a music producer. He's created like some insanely cool music and clips from all these televangelists and stuff. So it's a big project. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks. That's super exciting. Rachel, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. It was nice really talking. appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye bye.